This is the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 543, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you. Why can't a man stand alone? Must you be burdened by all that is taught to consider his own? His skin and his station. His kin and his crown. Hey, welcome to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast. This is episode 543. I am Josh Flanagan. And here in the script, I wrote crickets between some asterisks. And that is to indicate that I am uh, by my lonesome. Uh, you may remember that I did this uh, a little over a year ago, May of 2015. Um, and and it, it came up, and I thought, sure, what the heck, I'll do that again. Since it went well last time, <laughs> then why not really go for it and, and see if there's a way that it could go worse? Um, and I, I think that together we can make that happen. So we, or in this instance, I am my fanboy. Normally I am here with uh, my two partners uh, and brothers, Ron Richards and Connor Kilpatrick, who are both. One is on vacation, like a real, like, going somewhere vacation, and nuts to him, by the way. Uh, and then the other one is on a work trip, and then after that, he will be going on a long vacation. Um, and in case you are curious, I have no vacation plans uh, in the near future. And that's on me. That's, I have vacation days. It's fine. But uh, I'm a bad planner, is what I'm getting at. We are iFanboy, though, if we were all here, and we all like comics if we were all here, and so I will claim to also like them still as well. Uh, every week we read a stack of comics, and one of us will pick their favorite book, and we're going to call that the pick of the week, and we're going to talk about... I'm saying we, because that's within the script, and I'll talk about that book and some other books and, and some stuff, and then I've got some uh, listener mail, and it's, uh, it's, a, it's a gay old time. Not in that sense, although also in that sense, too. Like the Flintstone sense. Maybe there was some t- subtext there. I don't, I don't know. I can't be sure. Uh, here's your spoiler warning. This could suck. There's your spoiler warning. It's a review show also, so I'm going to talk about what's happening in the comic books. Um, but also it might suck, which I believe would spoil things, but you know how spoilers work. This week, well, obviously I have the pick. The pick of the week is Sheriff of Babylon number eight. I was going to say numero, and then I couldn't remember Spanish for eight, which would be uh, ocho, I believe. Uh, you may want to check my pronunciation on that. Um, there's a blurb on the cover of this issue uh, that says Tom King and Mitch Garrods are the hottest duo in comics. Um, I want to take a brief aside here and say that back in college, we used to play Star Wars Trivial Pursuit. And every time a question came up and it would say, what duo? The answer was always R2-D2 and C-3PO. So if you're ever playing that game, I guess that's a, that's a hot tip for you. Anyway, uh, uh, says the Court of Nerds, which might be a worse name than iFanboy, but barely, if that's the case. Uh, anyway, uh, Tom King and Mitch Garrett are the hottest duo in comics. If you're not reading this book, we need to talk. That's their quote on the front. And I think, I was thinking about it. Um really just started now. So I didn't think about it for a really long time, but just now, you're going to see there are asides because I have to entertain myself, and I don't have Ron's Ron's laugh to, to be my guidepost, so I apologize for that. Uh, anyway, and I think that there was credence to that. Um, you're watching uh, Tom and Mitch, um, who I spoke to on a podcast not too long ago, and you should go listen to that if you hadn't, um, but you're watching two guys sort of crest a hill together. Uh, as it were, um, and and like they've really, you know, like Mitch did really good work with Nathan Edmondson, um, I think, and he did a few things in there. But if you hear them hang out together, you watch the two of them on on uh, social media. Listen to an interview we did. Like they've got a thing, they've got a a rapport, they've got a commonality, and it feels like going back through my history of talking about comics. When a team clicks, when people really love working with each other, uh, look at. Um, Mark Wade and Chris Somney, or look at uh, recently, you know, Scott Snyder and Greg Apulo or Rick Remender and a hundred incredibly talented artists who just need to stop looking at you, Mateo Scalera. Um, you know, when they work together, they create a special thing. And, I, you know, I'll, I'll be honest, I don't always know exactly what's going on in Sheriff of Baghdad. And a lot of times that's not a strength, but in this one, it absolutely is a strength. They've just, they've got a thing going on. They're making something that feels 
authentic and, and unique and special. And in and, and, and this issue, we basically are getting some backstory. But literally, there are pages of, of these pages of grids, these nine panel, ten, there's four pages in a row of a, of a woman on a cell phone. It's a head and shoulders shot. And another version of Josh Flanagan in the past would have said, what the fuck are you doing? This is, this is, you don't do that. It's comic books. You take advantage of it, but man, they make it work. They make it work with killer dialogue that is laden with subtext. One of the reasons that it's hard to follow this book a little bit is that nobody's actually speaking the whole truth. Everybody's speaking out of the side of their mouth or everybody has an agenda and it's not entirely clear what that agenda is. And it's mysterious and scary. And I'm guessing that if you are a CIA agent on the ground in Iraq, that's a little bit what it feels like. That's a lot what it feels like. And I think that Tom King, and I might be projecting, I think that he's really captured that. You know, Mitch's these characters, these characters are acting all over the place. I mean, it's it's eyes and expressions and 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 posture and you know he's he's just this side of too much photorealism, but he's towing that line and it's totally working. Um, so we sort of see the backstory that's going on with this. I don't know anyone's name in this story, but but the Iraqi man who's who's along with the American guy who's investigating this murder. You know, we we find his backstory, and it's kind of crushing. And and as we hear it uh, and and see it, we you know we see him just sort of by himself. And we see him with his family, and then we see him by himself. And it's it's kind of, it's crushing. It really is. And he goes to the beach by himself. And he just kind of floats there as we learn about him, and then we cut to where he is now and, and what's going on and why he's helping. And then there's a, a it's just a really layered book. And it's quiet, and everything else has so much bombast that I've been reading lately. Because you know it has to—that's the name of the game. And it just it, like the whole thing seems brave and it seems bold to me. And so when I tell you I don't know exactly what's going on, like I have, I have a, I totally have a sense of where we're going and what's happening. I'm not lost, but uh, I'm really enjoying sort of the ambiguity of so much of it. Um, and it's just being done with such craft. You're just watching these guys just click into these roles uh as comic book storytellers and it's really it's lovely and and i think i've known mitch as an artist for a long time and i have liked his work a lot i wouldn't say that his is a style that is my favorite sort of kind of style but watching him fit into these these clothes and and this role i'm really impressed i i'm uh it's it's definitely uh, turn it into something. And I thought as I was reading this, I was like, oh, they should probably win an Eisner. And I, I had that thought. And, and and every once in a while that will creep in, you know, and, and that that means oh I'm, we're we're looking at something uh something great. Um and I uh I hope other people are, are enjoying it too. I don't know that it's enjoyable really in that sense. Like uh like when Fun Home was like the big graphic novel that everyone was talking about. Like it was good, but it wasn't fun. So that title was a lie. It was a huge lie. But this is a little like that. But it also, you know, I, I don't particularly like reading stories about the current Iraq war. Um, oh, current. It's 15 years old now. Um, but this feels relevant. This feels like a thing. Actually, the other thing is that it feels, it, this feels literally as alien as a Superman story. And just that, like, this world that is going on here is so far removed from the one that I live in. It's actually so far removed from most of the stuff that you see, you know, on Facebook about people complaining about politicians or news or not even complaining, but righteous indignation, whichever you have. Uh, it, it's almost, even though it's, it's such a bummer, it is a respite from that thing, um, which is interesting, too. Um, and, and, and I, again, I know because Tom was there that there's authenticity to it. It may only be authenticity. Uh, I've used that word three times now. It, it may only be authentic for time. Uh, it may only be authenticity five from his point of view, which isn't necessarily to you know, say like, Oh, this is completely factual or whatever, but you know, it's honest. I, I feel like he's definitely trying to be honest to make that a thing. Um, so there it is. There's your pick of the week. Sheriff Babylon number eight. I can't remember if I've made this pick of the week before. I don't think so. Uh, but it, it's it's just really impressive, and it's it's good. Almost, almost pick of the week this week was, and this is not, uh, it was almost Superman number two. Yeah, Superman number two, I thought. Is this going to be pick of the week? And it turns out it was not going to be pick of the week. 
but that's fine. Uh, it's by Pete Tomasi and Patrick Gleason. And what there was in, I, I, I've been talking about this on the other shows, like, it's a really good Superman story, <laughs> like, this has been going on. And by having the Superman of the other Earth come to this Earth and have a kid, it works. And it shouldn't, if you pitch me this, I think I'd be like, no, don't do that. But it lends it the whole thing of freshness. Um, Gleason is doing this. It's great style. It's There's a couple of panels here that are almost reminiscent of sort of the Ed McGuinness type of Superman. I really like how he's drawing Superman. Um, if I don't have to get to have the beard, I have that. Uh, and the other, I mean, the thing that got me is there's, there's two great scenes in this. Uh, Superman flies his son, John, named after Jonathan Kent, I guess, uh, up to the Arctic to help a submarine. Uh, and a big monster pops through the ice. And he, he enlists his son to help him. And it's sort of like a learning experience. And it's great parent writing. I, I wouldn't be surprised if either of these guys are dads. Because it feels... Um, uh, I almost said the A word. I'm not going to... It felt honest in that way. Um, and and uh, the son sort of confesses that he burned their cat to death. You know, And that's going to happen. If you have laser eyes and you have the puberty. You put those together. I got to burned up some cats in my day, I think. A lot of, lot of, lot of charred feline remains uh, from ages 11 to 14, let's say. I didn't really do that. I want to make that clear, officers. Um, so that was really, there was basically like a, there was a little bit, I guess what got me was that there was a little bit in here that was like from Preacher, you know, like you got to be one of the good guys, son. Um, my favorite line in the history of comic books, I think at this point. But he basically says something like that. He's like, it's not, it's not your powers. It's not that. It's, 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 it says it's not about your powers or strength or heat vision. It's about character. It means doing the right thing when no one else will, even when you're scared, even when you think no, even when you think no one is looking. And like, when, as soon as he says that, the kid confesses. And I, I just, I, I ate that up from both sides, both from the father's side and the son's side. Even the, the, the layouts, this is some great work from Gleason. It's just wonderful layouts and stuff and then there's another great scene where the girl who saw him burn the cat alive and this is a metaphor for those of you not paying attention <laughs> it tells him it's cool and she touches his hand and and he just uh he falls off a tree and hurts himself which is weird uh, and then there's something going on at the end with eradicator uh and i have no idea what that means because i didn't read superman in the 90s but i know eradicator is a thing from back then and he has he has glasses like uh old mountain bikers used to wear and current baseball players who are dorkier than old mountain bikers. Oh, I'm kidding. I don't mind your sport baseballers and bats batsmen. So that's Superman number two. I really liked it a lot. I've liked every version of this that has come out. I've liked him in uh, justice league and in action comics and in Superman. And, uh, that's not, isn't that refreshing? It's great to have fun reading Superman books. And it's not even, they were bad before. Like there were some good Superman books, but, uh, I'm really digging this. Maybe I've actually liked Superman for a long time and I just keep forgetting. So next up, Aquatic Man number two, uh, or Arthur of the Deep, is called Neither of Those Things. Aquaman number two. Um, this is left over. You may remember uh, Artie, Artie C, as we call him, was having a big party uh, for Earth people to get to see that Atlantean people who actually hate them ain't such bad soggy folks. They're soggy folks, but they ain't so bad. Um, but it gets all screwed up where a character named Black Manta, who's black, he's a black man, to, uh, shows up uh, to avenge his father's death because Arthur Curry uh, killed his father. We see a flashback. He snaps his neck. He's justifiably mad. And there's this sort of interesting conversation like this can't keep going on. Why are we going to do this? There's no point. I can't change it. You know, it made me who I am. And basically, he has the chance to kill Black Manta. And he's like, no, I'm not going to do that. He decided not to kill him. And then he turns the spear around on himself and he hands it to Black Manta. He's like, you know what? Then fine. If you're going to do this, just kill me. Do it. Uh, and also, statistically speaking, by the way, if you say that to somebody, like with a gun or whatever, and you're like, fine, do it. You're not you're not man. In the they will shoot you. I believe I've read articles on that. So this was a bad move on uh, Aquaman's part. But uh, Manta basically was like, you're right. And he says, damn you. And he throws the spear uh, and then apparently just turns himself into authorities. Uh, I no word on what happened to the giant helmet. Um, 
which is an important thing. I I really like that scene. I thought it was pretty nice. And then at the end, and this happens at a lot of the in the end of a lot of comic books that I'm enjoying right up until page 19, uh, some villain shows up and I don't ever know who it is. Uh, and and she she busts Black Manta out. Um, she's got red balls, red glowy balls. That's not right. She's got red. I don't. She's a she's a black leathery suit, and then I guess like large red buttons. And then uh, is she like dead shots. Is that it? See, the thing that works about this show when it's not just me is that the other guys know things, and I don't even bother learning them because I know it can be a bit. I can say, hey guys, what is that? I'm a big stupid over here. And then they tell me and say, you're a big stupid. Um, that's not happening now. I don't know who that is. What do you know who it is? But I never know who it is. And the point is, I, uh, those reveals at the end of books kind of always fall a little flat with me. Um, and then if I do know who it is, I'm like, I've seen this before. Hey, you know another thing uh, that happens when there's nobody else here? I can't pause to take a drink of water because when I do, it sounds like this. And that's dead air. Uh, I know that because I have a broadcasting degree. What's odd is that I actually didn't take a drink of water during that time, so I just wasted that dead air. Um, moving on, I want to talk about unfollow number nine, which is the button you are all hovering over on Twitter uh, because of this this thing in your ear. Um, we have liked this book all along, uh, all of us, I believe. Uh, Rob Williams and Mike Dowling. Um, and the, I'm bringing this up, I guess, because... We learned some things in this, and plot is moving forward, uh, and it was enjoyable. There are the goofy Russian gangsters, and now I don't know if that's just a cliche or if that's a real thing. I guess they're probably not goofy, or maybe I just read them that way because of all the movies and stuff. Um, either way, I wrote some of those once, and now I have to change them because it is totally cliche. Um, I don't know. We get like these little hints of all the characters in this one. And at least one more of the 140 gets killed. You, those of you at home may remember that a tech uh, bajillionaire is dying, and he says, "I'm dying. You 140 get to split my, you get to split my fortune. But uh, for every one of you that dies, everybody splits their share. So then all of a sudden, there's a reason to have them killed. So we're down to 133. That's seven who are killed. Um, and then we also find out that crazy mask guy." is also one, maybe we did know this, I'm not sure, he's one of the 140, so he has uh, motive to kill folk, because uh, it will make him more rich, and then finally there's a big reveal at the end, because um, it turns out the guy did not die, the the, the, the Bill Gatesy uh, guy who looks like Grant Morrison. Um, that's what the script said, I think, it said Bill Gatesy guy who looks like Grant Morrison. Uh, so he's is there's twists and turns. Uh, it's fun. It's riveting. It's exciting. Let's talk about uh, Empress Number Four and the Adventures of Space George Lucas, as written by Mark Miller and Stuart Eminen. Um, I guess if I was gonna say anything about Stuart Eminen, I would say what John Travolta said in Pulp Fiction after he tried the milkshake. Cause, <laughs> damn good. He's. I don't think that's the line. But that's not the point. You get what I'm saying. If you haven't seen the movie, you wouldn't know. But if you had seen the movie, it makes sense to you either way. So it's a win-win for me. Space George Lucas, you know, he's committed to saving these kids. Uh, I mean, there's two things going on that make it great. It's super fast-paced, um, big epic space opera action. And, and there are problems and solutions. And they're all coming fast and heavy. Um, I like this a lot better than Chrononauts, which was fun. But I feel like this is even more clever, and I like the characters better. Um, but also, while you know, Sean Murphy, uh, fine artist, I, I don't know why I'm comparing these two books. They were just both written by Mark Miller. That's I don't need to make one better than the other, but I just did. Um, but you got Stuart Eminen on this, and um, as I've said before, and we'll say again, you know, until somebody amazing comes along, there's literally nobody better at comic book storytelling uh, in this this sort of action form or actually even so other forms uh because uh he does other stuff um red oh christ i can't remember the name of it again i could look this up if there was somebody else here but uh there was a small book that he and his wife did uh red queen red king to something or other it's great i have it upstairs it's a beautiful hardcover uh and that's a completely different art style it's not action or anything and it's gorgeous and beautifully told as well guy has talent uh and anytime i can get an issue with him uh have you noticed that Mark Miller has all of the masters of modern comic book storytelling in his little 
you know, Kadri. Someone needs to look into that. I think I actually asked him about that once. I don't remember his answer, but he, he's, I, you know, actually, you know what the secret to that is? And I don't, I hope this isn't giving anything away. It's money. He's got a lot of money and he can pay them to work on books and it's worth it for them because they get back end. And when that stuff get made into movies, anyway, he knows how to pick them and that's super smart. I want to touch on Invincible Iron Man number 11. I know that the big story came out this week that Iron Man is now a black lady. Um, which, by the way, is not like a surprise. I don't know who didn't see that coming in the last like three issues. But they put a story out where they interviewed Bendis in Time magazine. And people are mad because people are mad that they change. And other people are mad at the people who are mad because why can't things change and is mad and whatever. You know, this actually issue's, this issue's been pretty good. I liked it. Uh, I liked, like, Tony Stark goes on this weird, like, uh, quest where he's undercover dressed. And I'm not sure about, I believe he's dressed actually as James Franco. Like, I know that sometimes artists make people look like stuff, but I believe he actually is dressed as James Franco. And there's a double switcheroonie um, where Rhodey's trying to find him and he, you know, he meets up with Tony, but it's not really Rhodey. It's Ms. Marvel. And uh, it's good. It's fun. And uh, about that lady who's going to be Iron Man, fine, whatever. If you don't like it, don't read the book anymore. Tony Stark isn't going to disappear. He's like the most valuable character they have. Eh, I'm, I'm tired of it all. You know, you know, in was it the 70s or the 80s? At some point, James Rhodes, uh, it's 30 years ago at least, was Iron Man. And so back then, they made a black man Iron Man. Uh, and now they're going to make a black woman Iron Man for some indeterminate period of time, and the Earth will still revolve on its axis. So like it or not, uh, whatever you want to do about that, everything's going to be just fine. And I, you know, I recognize that, uh, you know, but like, do you think maybe we've had too much Tony Stark now for the last, I guess, eight, eight years? Not too much, but there's been, there's been a lot of Tony Stark. And, you know, maybe uh, sunset him for a bit. Can you bring something back after a sunset? That's a tech term that I learned working in the tech industry. When you sunset something. Uh, it may be used in other places. I know it's it's normal usage is still uh, still something that's thrown around, I believe, when the sun goes down. Which, uh, I have a very specific sun, and he would tell me the sun does not go down. The earth moves around it. And I just want you to know that uh, <laughs> pedantic nature is hereditary. So that's nice. So that was Invincible Iron Man number 11. I'm going to move on now to this brief ad spot. But before I do that, I'm going to take a drink of water, but you won't hear it. Oh, that was, that was delicious. It turns out that what I can do is pause the recording. Yeah. Remember I told you about that uh, degree in broadcasting? So that's money well spent. It's paid off now, so it's totally fine. If you like iFanboy, uh, what we do, the work we produce, the, the measures we're willing to go through to make sure that you get a show every single week, uh, for well over a decade now, and this kind of sparkling commentary, let's be honest, you can help support the show at ifanboy.com support. You will find an Amazon link, which you can then use to, when you buy all that stuff. That, oh, God, don't you love getting stuff? Don't you love a brown box waiting there with something on it that you either could or couldn't afford, but it doesn't matter because it's in your hand, and you can worry about all that stuff later? I'm just saying when you do that, when you can't control your impulse any longer. I can go about a week without getting a package before I start to get itchy, by the way. It's like I, 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 I get drugs because it's the same thing. There is a box there, and there's something in that box that I did not have before. And and, and in two years, that thing in there is probably going to be just like every other piece of junk I do not want in my house anymore. But when that box shows up, man, oh, that's the stuff. And then sometimes you try to... Just take that box downstairs because maybe nobody knew it was coming and you didn't ask if you could spend that money. Listen, none of that is my concern. My concern is that you use our link to do it so we get a little piece of that. So whatever your uh, addictive uh, or compulsive buying habits are, that I can take a brief, a small advantage of it. And, and that's what I want to do. You can also just send us money. <laughs> you can do, we call it a membership uh, or a donation, but it's you giving me money because you like this. Um, Think of it as the cup at the Starbucks, and I'm the best damn comic book barista you've ever had. Uh, you go to com slash support, and you'll find a way to do that. We have uh, plans set up there for $3 a month or $30 a year, or just any old damn amount you want. Uh, you know, do it if you if you can or if you want to. I, I try to support the shows I like. 
Uh, I send the money to the NPR regularly. Um, you know, that kind of thing. Cause if it's important to you, uh, then you should, you should, uh, make it, make it gooder for us. This is, t- I also tell you, not only am I doing this like late at night, I mean, not alone, but it's late, like for me on a school night, I don't go to school. Uh, and school's not technically in, but I have to work tomorrow. So I'm actually I have to bring my dog to the vet in the morning and then I got a haircut. It's a whole thing. Basically, I'm getting a haircut at the same time we normally do this show. So win-win, except I'm going to be up late. So grouchy with little bags under the eyes. Civil War II, Kingpin number one. That's a lot of words and numbers in one title, but we're all used to that at this point. This is written, two-parter, sort of two-parter in one issue, both parts written by Matt Rosenberg. You may remember Matt Rosenberg uh, from the pick of the week last week. Uh, and it's, it's about the Kingpin coming back, coming back to town. Uh, art is by Ricardo Lopez Ortiz uh, and Matt Lopez on the first story, which is titled Shouldn't Have Come Back. That's referring to the Kingpin. And the second uh, story is by Dalib. Wow. Dalibor. That sounds like one of those foreign Simpsons names that's not real, but maybe that's totally normal in some other place. Dalibor. It's nice. Rolls off the tongue. Dalibor Talajik. 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 Ooh, I like that. Dalibor Talajik. Uh, inker Jose Marzan Jr. and uh, colorist by Miroslav. There's no vowel in the middle of that. That was fun for me. See why the other guys are here? It's to stop all of this. I've just got to fill time. I really liked both of these artists. Is what I was going to get at. Uh, specifically, uh, Dalibor, old Dal. Nope, no, actually, no. Sorry, Ricardo Lopez Ortiz specifically. But Dalibor did a good job. It's fine. Um, just kind of wacky stuff uh, in this his first art book. Sort of big cartoon eyes on the Kingpin, which is fun. Um, you know, he basically comes back to New York, and he's not as powerful anymore. At one point, he's in a tracksuit, which is rad. Uh, and Hawkeye comes in and gets mad at him. Um, it's fun. It's a little. It felt a little bit off-brand as far as the Kingpin that I know. But I still had fun with it. And I was like, well, whatever, They're, they keep rebooting everything and, and changing the characters, so this is fine. So basically the first story is sort of with, you know, with a kingpin and his point of view. And then the second story is uh, one of the henchmen uh, who, is, uh, who is an inhuman, who should be a mutant. I'm really totally sick of that. Uh, you know, this Iron Man thing, I'm not upset about that, but this inhuman mutant thing is stupid. I, I get it, I, and it totally makes sense, and it's a choice they probably had to make. But I'm like, oh, just they're mutants. Who are you? Who are you kidding? Kids in the future won't care about that. Captain America: Civil War number eleven. I'm bringing it up for two reasons. One, I got a few pages into it, and I thought I don't care, and I was like, I'm done. I, I I don't. And it's not it's not the writing. It's not the whatever. It's just the Civil War thing. I don't. I don't. I, I'm I'm not invested in the Civil War two, at all. I don't. I don't like it. It's 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 not doing a thing for me, and so like this part of it, I kind of I kind of don't care about. Uh, although there was an I got this in Sa- uh, Captain America: Sam Wilson number eleven very early on, and the character was kind of being goofy, so it's kind of had a reason to be there. But you know, I've got to have a zero tolerance policy on I got this. We got this. There's no reason to. Walking Dead number one fifty six. Um, Walking Dead will survive uh, the nuclear holocaust. Walking Dead will survive. Uh, the ocean's drying up or flooding us, whichever way that goes. Walking Dead will always exist. There will always be Walking Dead. Um, when Robert Kirkman eventually goes crazy uh, and, and Walking Dead becomes his second manifesto, uh, Walking Dead will persevere. Uh, Walking Dead is, is what I'm getting at. Because at this point, Mike, Robert Kirkman's actually going to get so successful that he is going to go crazy. Because that's what happens to super successful people. And then he's going to do his, whatever his like episode one version of Walking Dead is. And it, it's all going to be terrible and we're going to love him anyway. It isn't going to matter. Um, the point is Robert Kirkman is omnipresent. Why am I talking about Walking Dead 156 again? Because uh, there's a... So this is easier to do without spoiling it when I have people here. But basically there was... We're spending a lot of time with Negan. And what I've learned about Negan is... Uh, that just now I learned that it rhymes with Megan, which is funny because that's a girl's name, and he's super macho. Uh, 
Negan, like he just you he must love he just loves to write Negan, loves it. It must be so much fun because it pours out of him like water, which is why like the letter the letter must get in and just go. Oh, Robert, it's Russ again. Do, does he have to say so many things? Is this is this absolutely necessary? But uh, this is a Negan issue, and he's hanging out with the Whisperers. Um, and there's wow. Okay, so what that was. Uh, I have a desk lamp, and I'm holding a whammy bar from my Squire Jazzmaster, and I hit the bell-shaped part of the sort of uh, Pix uh, Pix little Pixar Junior lamp that I have here, and it did that. I didn't know, I didn't know the proximity, but it's all it's all live and on tape now. Uh, there's a big twist uh, that happens in this that I did not see coming, and it was really fun um, and brutal and walking deady and I don't I don't watch the show so I just read the comic book so that's fun for me too. Um so it's good. Are you are you still reading this? You should, might as well cuz eventually it will outlive all other comic books and you don't want to have to go back and get the trades at that point. Batman number 2 from a from a guy that you might have heard of named Tom King. See? See what I did there? He had the pick of the week on his other book. Um and David Finch. And I wanted to talk about this cuz I don't I was, was going to say mean, but I'll just say it. Like, I, I don't like David Finch's work. I never have. What? You got Jordi Belair coloring this. And it's pretty good. It's, uh, boy, when he has like a, like, uh, now I'm wondering. Now, now I'm just wondering. Maybe I just don't like the colorists. That's what it was. That's what I didn't like about stuff. Um, I noticed there's a, there's a, there's a couple of really nice things in here. One, there's some good storytelling. Except there's a left-hand panel stacking, uh, but it actually didn't lose me. I didn't notice it until just now, so I'm going to let him get away with it. Um, there's this one bit where Jim Gordon is, is talking to Batman and uh, Gotham, uh, and Gotham, Lady Gotham, what's her name? I never, I don't know what the, Gotham and Gotham Girl. Lady Gotham. That's it. Um, and they're on the rooftop, and Batman does his disappearing act, and, like, the gag is, they're like, how did he do that? I can see everything. I'm super powerful. What's, you know, what's up? And, and you know, and I knew the line was going to be Jim Gordon saying, oh, yeah, he does that. Well, Gotham and Gotham, it's the name of the character, so that's why it's awkward to say. Gotham says, you know, we're here to save this city. And, and Gordon gives this sort of droll look, and he's like, well, thank the Lord, I don't know how we got along without you. And man, the face, the eyebrow cock, and the sort of droll eye look, Finch nailed the hell out of that. Some high-quality, top-notch acting there. And I gotta say, I'm pretty impressed by it. I like this storyline. I like the thing that's going on here. Um, I had this complaint for like a half a second that Bruce Wayne looked too young, and then I remember that he got a whole new, like, young clone body. Also, I thought this was going to be a Solomon Grundy story, and it wasn't, so I was really glad about that, because four pages of Solomon Grundy is enough pages of Solomon Grundy. Midnight of the Soul, number two, by Howard Chaikin. Um, it's still fucked up. It's really fucked up, and I don't know if it's okay. That's my whole review, but I read it. Um... It's fucked up, though. And I really want that to make the cover. And I, I don't know. I feel, like, I feel like that's a thing that could happen. Because it's fucked up, is my point. Poe Dameron, number five. That's right. We've entered Star Wars Corner. And the, for those of you who have followed this show in the past, you will know that, God, there was a lot of comic books this week. And I didn't even talk about all of them. Because it would have taken too long of just me talking. But Poe Dameron, number five, came out. And I thought this was pretty good. Pretty good. That was the world's worst Larry David. It's because I didn't commit to it. Um, and because I'm not good at it. It's those two things. But uh, it starts off with uh, the Black... Is it the Black Squadron? They're having a party. Because they just beat the, the, the New Order people. But uh, there's a little bit of nice sort of uh, interpersonal stuff. We sort of get... Just a little bit of, of each of the characters in there. And then after that, there's this great setup where where, where Poe Dog, that's what I call him, he's a buddy of mine, uh, and his jacket. Uh, they go to a, the prison planet, this prison planet that exists in a high gravity area, and there's no guards or anything like that, and they gotta go down there and they gotta see that hut from the other Star Wars movie. 
not movie, the comic books, the 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 hut from Jason Aaron's uh, series, who who had Luke captured, the one who has the robot legs, uh, Gracchus, uh, which is a Roman senator's name. Uh, and there's some really nice, uh, it's some really good imaginative world building stuff here, and I really liked it a lot. Uh, it was super impressive. I like Phil Noto a lot. Phil Noto and Mitch Garrods are are becoming. Uh, similar to one another in style. It's not necessarily a bad thing. Just a thing I've noticed. Maybe it's the same guy. They don't look anything alike, and they don't sound anything alike. But their drawings look somewhat similar, so there could be something going on there. Uh, I don't know. I don't have confirmation on that. But I, I like this little Poe Dameron series. It's fun. It's fun. We're hanging out with him. Um, and those are some, some good creators on that. So, I have finished. That's the books of the week. Uh, I hope that that was good for you. Um, who's, who's shut off by now? You wouldn't be able to answer. Um, you're gone though. You'll, you'll know. Uh, first audience question comes in from Matt. Matt says, first, thank you for turning me onto criminal. I love small stories with very real emotional realities and the 10th anniversary special was great. This email is a little old. My question is kind of related to someone who came to comics via the altiest of alt comics Many contents, many content creators' emphasis on the mainstream big two comic culture is sometimes frustrating. I've been thinking about this since the publication *Strangers in Paradise*. At least, that's well over. A, that's almost two two decades. At least, that's good. Uh, at least, do you see a schism between comic culture and superhero culture? Are they separate, or is one a sub-variety? Is one growing or shrinking? Is it positive or negative? People constantly say that comics are more popular than ever. But I feel like it's actually only superheroes and the rare Walking Dead that will outlive us all that have seen this boost. Additionally, there is now enough non-comic media for these superhero fans to explore what it stands to reason that only that one can only be Batman fan. While I'm sorry, he's just saying you can only be you can just be a Batman fan even if you've never read a comic. Uh, and don't mistake my question for an attempt to create some kind of line between real fans and not real fans or whatever. I don't believe in that mess, and I agree with you, Matt, about that part and mostly about the rest of it too. Um, it really is the age of the superhero. It's brought on by you know some of the most successful films of all time that are about superheroes. Um, and I think that we've definitely seen some trickle-down effect into the comics, which is something that didn't used to happen so much. Um, it would create blips, but you know the comics are benefiting from that, but they're also following it. So you're starting to see, you're not starting to see, you are seeing the comics adapt themselves for those versions of the characters, either in TV or film. But yeah, I mean, it, 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 but it's always been about superheroes. You know, I, I feel like comics, comics as comics, it feels like it's sort of a flat line. You know, we're the same people. We're, we're reading them. Uh, some people go away. Superheroes are really popular right now. Everywhere. Kids with, with whoever. In many forms. I, you know, I feel like I'm starting to burn out on that part a little bit. And it's funny because I remember you, people used to, 10, 15 years ago, I would hear people say, yeah, I've had enough of superheroes. And I thought, why? Those are, you know, those are the, the, the best people are still doing. And that is totally the case. Like the best people in at, at comics are, are the ones who get hired to make superhero comics. So, you know, whatever that other book is, like they're hiring great talent because they can make a living. They can get paid to do superhero comics. And... You know, whereas Terry Moore is like, I'm not doing a long form thing like that again. He said that because he can't make a living from those issues. He used to be able to, but he can't now because it's changed. Um, it's like music where, you know, you can't make a living from streaming sales because they don't sell albums. So you got to, you know, you got to do something else. And I, I think it's that same way. It's sad. The comics will never go away, though. You know, they're always going to be there. It's just hard to get a mass audience with anything. Um and, and it, it's harder to make a living doing niche content. Um, but it is, the, is, it is truly the era of the superhero, definitely. Um, and I think that's, that's definitely the case. Uh, Lucas, L-U-K-A-S, from Austria, said, This morning, you thought I was going to do an accent, didn't you? I almost, I thought about it, and then I thought, that's, that's, that's going to go poorly. And I should not do that. This morning... I told you I wasn't going to. This morning, I glanced at the stack of trades on my nightstand, which had accumulated over the last couple of days when I realized, I'm becoming Josh! Then it says, see attachment, and there was a picture of his trades, uh, which was the Airboy trade, and I think an elongated man thing, and then something else. Um, it was like stuff that I would read. 
Uh, although I wouldn't read that elongated man book probably. Not because I don't want to. I just wouldn't have time for it. Uh, so now I ask you, how should I deal with I tried really hard not to talk like Peter Sellers. Uh, how, how should I deal with it? What are the challenges and benefits of being Josh Flanagan? He spelled my name right. Uh, comics reading wise, not just, you know, just, not just in general, because that's a longer podcast. Do you believe there is a cure? And finally, how does any one of you happen to, to any one of you happen to have the number of Tom Caters? Um, <laughs> this is from the beautiful uh, uh, Austria. Okay, I do have Tom Cater's number, although it's an old number. I haven't, I haven't called. It seems to check out, sir. I haven't called him in a while. I'm not going to give it to you because he doesn't know you, and that's creepy. Um, <laughs> you know what? I think it is challenging being Josh Flanagan. I'm not even going to make jokes about the because you know I'm a dad. I'm working. I got you. Got a house here. I'm down here in the basement right now. The mouse guy was here. Anyway. I, uh, the dead mouse smell went away at least, so I got that. See, that sounds challenging already. Just in terms of comics, I'm just gonna do this to talk about myself, aren't I? I can do this when nobody else is around because you can't accuse. Me. I gotta fill time. I gotta, I gotta air to fill. Um, yeah, I find comics to be somewhat challenging right now. I appreciate the art form and I understand it better than I ever have, and it's the best because when you see something great, you can you can I can spot it a mile away, like George Costanza spotting dimes. And I feel like I used that re recently on a different show because uh, it's a stupid reference to all of my – everything is at least 20 years old that I reference now. Like a dad. Oh, my God. I'm such a dad. Um, I, I love the form and the craft. And, and unfortunately or fortunately, like I've met most of the people and had at least you know meaningful, meaningful interaction with people who make comics. So um, that either can or can't. It usually only positively affects the work because you kind of not only are you like that's really good but then you also there's like a swell of pride like good for that guy you know because when you know somebody you you're you're happy to see them succeed and so i get to see these guys you know like and, and girls i but mostly let's be honest mostly guys um you know succeed at, at doing it i'm always really happy about that so you know i can recognize great art i am less invested in the superhero narrative than ever before um Partially, that's because a lot of the characters that I had cared about are different now, which is fine. You know, whatever, times move on. Um, and I can even grouse about it, but I, I don't even think that's valid. Um, then the other thing is just, I want things to be great, and then they're not great. I don't have time for them. You know, bad is bad is, is fine. Like, oh, this is bad. I don't want to read it. Middling is the worst. Like, so when something is just mediocre, it is the worst. And so you've got to, like, find stuff that gets you excited, because if not, it's just a chore and you hate it. Is that too honest? I, I really, like, I want to love the comics, and I love a day where I'm, like, I had, I don't even know, I must have had at least 20 books this week. And, like, some of them, like I said, I started to read Sam Wilson, Captain America, or Captain America, Sam Wilson, and I just, I got, like, six pages in, and I thought, I don't care. And I just stopped. And uh, I, I didn't want to read it. And, but you know, there's other things where I, I sort of got to the end. I was like, wow, that was, that was pretty great. Pick of the week. It's fun. The show's good because what happens is you have to find a thing to be happy about. Um, and you usually can, I can't, I can't, I can't ever think of a time that like I'd made a pick of the week where I was like, you know, nah, it wasn't really that good. Like I, I made myself like it if I had to, but uh, you know, that en ends up turning into genuine admiration. So I guess like I really love the stuff I love, uh, and and I'm I'm impatient about the stuff that I don't, um, because all that time's precious. All the time reading or talking about it or whatever, like I want to make sure it's worth it. Um, but I still love the art form. You know, you, you just you just gotta. I don't have time to look in all the nooks and crannies, so I end up reading a lot of stuff I don't love just to get to that point. Um, that's what's hard about being Josh, I guess. Um, What's hard about being Ron and Connor is that they're just on vacation all the time. Oh wait, that's not that's not difficult at all. All right, so before I started this, I wrote on Twitter that I was going to be doing this, so I'm going to answer some questions in rapid fire succession. Oh, I haven't looked in a while. There's quite a lot. Okay, here we go. Uh, Dave Jordan, what gauge guitar strings do you use? That's not that's not good for everybody. Ten forty two. What current industry trends make you most helpful for the future of the medium and the corollary, which make you least hopeful? Uh, I don't think the medium is going anywhere. 
Um, most helpful is, again, the focus on talent over and over again. The one thing that the big two have learned is that, at the, at the very least, they need people who are compelling. Um, so that makes for good stories. It makes it a little harder to break in, I think. Um, but I, I think, and I just think comic book artists, comic book art right now is as good as it's ever been. Uh, if the last big change, Kyle Owens, that was the last one was Josh LaBelle. This one is Kyle Owens. It said the last big change, uh, to the comic, to the industry was digital comics. What's next? Or at least what would be a new change of equal size? Yeah. I don't know if digital comics were that big change. I think they wanted it to be. I don't know that it's changed that much. Honestly, the last big change to the comics industry to me, I think was the idea that and then both in both both big two are doing this is this uh just constant rebooting and i know it's not a reboot but it's a reboot where they're just like we're back to number one we're starting over everything is working in volumes now um and i don't know that that's great that's probably the that's my least favorite so to combine those two uh any artist that has surprised you with a new approach to their art asks uh monica oh um, I don't know off the top of my head. I just, I know this week, the art that I noticed, um, I, like I said, I noticed Mitch who'd been doing like Mitch Garrett's on, on Sheriff and he'd been doing, you know, like action military stuff and Punisher. And this is like, he just had to zero in on faces and posture and acting. And that is a brave thing to do. Um, cause those are the kind of pages that like editors and nerds will like, but it's, it's a little hard to hire based on those. I don't know if Patrick Gleason always drew like that, but I really liked his Superman a lot. Uh, Jake Oliveira, not so much a question, but more if you read Superman 2, I'd love to hear your thoughts. I talked about that, Jake. I'm done with your question. Go away. Uh, join to follow. I personally like the reintroduction introduction of old Superman characters, Doomsday and Eradicator, such like. What are your thoughts? Um, my thoughts, I think I've talked about it. it was, my thoughts are that they... I, uh, at first I thought, oh, don't do this, but now I'm kind of like, all right, it's good that I'm never doing it. I don't really know. I didn't read a lot of that stuff, actually. I read The Death of Superman, but I don't remember, like, the deal with the Eradicator. He looks stupid. I know that. Uh, but I'm enjoying the whole thing, so let's see what happens. Uh, Jared Gossett, other than Batman, who are the best comic book detectives? Oh, I know this, and I'm, it's completely blanking. Uh, oh, the question. That's, like, the big one, isn't it? Um, and, uh, Ralph Dibney. Is Elongated Man dead? He must be dead. I think he was the other one. You could find anything. And then there's that guy over in the Inhumans now who has the crazy eyes. Um, uh, Peter Wilson. <laughs> Don't know, man. Make some Jaws references. That's a question. And I would say, like, did I already? Did I make a Jaws? No? A what? There you go. Dino Esquire says, what is the single thing you believe comics to do better than any medium? Oh, I love that. Uh... I don't know if this will be the single thing, but this is the answer I'm thinking of now. I think that comics are like this direct channel of, of like, it's very, it's urgent of, of art and story. And there's not a lot in the middle to make a movie. You need a lot of people uh, to make a comic book. You need one person and a, and a storyteller. Um, so the only thing more stripped down than that would be, I guess a novel would be prose. Um, I love that it's so direct and immediate, and I, I I like art, but sometimes it can leave you with a little, uh, okay, now what? Like, if you go to a museum, and you stare at a big, at a piece of beautiful art, you look at it, you know, maybe some people will stare at it and think about it forever, you know, like a song or whatever, um, but you look at that piece of art, and you go, okay, I saw it, now what? So, like, you can, you can get through an art museum pretty fast. Um, comic books are an, are art plus story, uh, and no one, no, nothing else does that. Um, it's really cool. It's great. You can keep looking at it and go back and find new stuff. You can do that with other art, but this, you also get a story. So you feel like you're getting a little movement. Uh, Will Senator, uh, says, what about this era of comics do you think will hold up in several years, especially themes, costumes, writing style? What won't the costumes will not hold up because they're all stupid now. Um, oh, okay. One of the things that I think we're seeing um, is that a lot of it's a lot of reflection of our world right now because it, a, a lot of comic book creators are also mired in social media like the rest of us. I'm reading all of these on Twitter, um, and it's in their thoughts. And an artist 
who's got stuff in their thoughts has to put it on the page. And so what we're going to be able to do when we look back at this era of comics is see people who are trying to make something fun and commercial, but also trying to wrestle through all these things, which is, by the way, the same thing that happened in the 60s and in the 70s. Um, and I don't know so much about the 80s. Uh, Jose Eugenio says, you should make the intro and ending song playing your guitar. I am not that good, and I don't want to mic the amp. Uh, any, <laughs> I don't write music. Uh, Michael B. Any good comic recommendations for a new dad? All the father stories in comics I could think of are fairly dark or depressing. My two favorite father stories in comics are Preacher and Starman. Um, Starman is not dark or depressing. It's about repairing a relationship with your father on your, on the way to becoming a father. And it's incredibly uplifting at the end. Um, Preacher is about how important that is. Uh, Ethan says, I enjoyed you and Ron and Connor discussing the de de definitive artist of each decade. Who are the writers of each decade? Uh, Stanley is the dec writer of the 60s, or however you want to take that. Uh, later, uh, later would be Roy Thomas. 70s has got to be... Chris Claremont's more the 80s. I feel like we did this. Um, the 70s I'm trying to think uh like like steve Englehart or uh marv wolfman i'm gonna go with marv wolfman for the 70s uh 80s 80s didn't have a writer no <laughs> it's just the end of it was just artists um claremont's the 80s uh the 90s it would be Alan Moore. Alan Moore. Uh probably a little bit in the eighties, but mainstream. I'm gonna give it I'm gonna make I'm gonna make Claremont be the eighties, Alan Moore be the nineties, and the two thousands is Brian Bendis. Uh and this decade, two thousand tens. I don't know who it is. I don't know that we have a defense. Probably I guess it's maybe it's Kirkman, but I don't know that he's spread his seed enough. Um and that other question I'm not doing from that person. Ned M, all is said all is said and done. Wire, West Wing, or Band of Brothers? Okay, this one's easy. The West Wing is my favorite TV show of all time, but I believe The Wire is the best TV show of all time. I like them both, but if I had to pick a favorite, I would go with the West Wing, but I think the wire is is a better piece of work, if that makes sense. Band of Brothers is a miniseries. I don't categorize it as a television series. It's either it's like a novel or one long book. Uh, and Band of Brothers is the best thing. Band of Brothers' best thing goes in the preacher category. It's just like that as a whole, thank God that exists. It's great. Uh, Adam Dodd, if you could make a new comic franchise universe and draft in 10 characters... I hate those kind of things. I don't have time to do it. Uh, I mean, you Batman. Batman and Hawkeye and some people. Uh, we'll come back to that. Uh, Dan Lighty says, do you got this? Dude. Dude. Other than Preacher and Hellblazer, what is your favorite thing Garth Ennis has written? That's a good question. Hitman. Uh, I love Hitman. I love Hitman almost as much as I love Preacher. Um, Stuart Condy has a creator's personality. Actions, proclamations ever stopped you from reading their work. JMS. That is is not naming names oh i named names uh that's that's one writer i like I don't, I don't like i don't like anything that he's got going on so i don't read his work i don't like his work although he's done things that i've liked and when he did things that i like i said so um i don't know him personally so maybe he's great uh what are neeks 99 what are your favorite underused character in comics the person you get excited about when seeing when they randomly show up in a book i don't know i i it's almost not like my thing like I don't, I don't have like an like if you have an encyclopedic memory or knowledge of these characters, sometimes like I'll see somebody and I'll just be happy that I know who they are. I don't, I don't like I'm like oh man, I I can't wait for uh, Whirlwind to show up or Willow the Wisp. Um, <laughs> what you just heard was that when I was a kid, um, you know the in you know the Marvel uh handbook, the Marvel Universe handbook or whatever it was. Uh, I bought like one tr trade of it, but it was only like the last volume, so it was it was like T through Z, and I just named like three W's because those were the ones I and I read it. I read the whole thing cover to cover, but I never got into the other volumes. I just like I just had like that fifth volume of it. Um, 
other than I got this, Dan Emmons, other than I got this, what other trope is that you're getting tired of in comics or otherwise? Um, I still see the lady underwear coming up above the waistline of the pants every once in a while. Uh, it still drives me nuts. I know there's a better answer, but that's the first thing I thought of. It still happens. Uh, Damien Sherman, what does the Justice League movie need to do to make you like it? Uh, it needs to be good and interesting. Uh, and it needs to make me not roll my eyes, and it's real. That's hard because those characters are very specific in my mind. Um, and then finally, Future Dizzy says, "When will you guys talk about Reign of Fire again?" I'll talk about it right now. Um, I haven't watched Reign of Fire in a while. I bought a Blu-ray of it for like nothing, like six or eight bucks or something, and, and I was like, "All right, we're gonna watch Reign of Fire," and I put it on. I was like, "This Blu-ray doesn't look very good. I'm mad." Um, what a fun movie. What a, what a, like, there's the, let's, 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 let's do the Josh doesn't like fun thing. That's fun. That's just pure fun. It's good. I like fun. Everybody else can go screw. <laughs> oh, that is all the questions that I have. I'm going to go back to the script now, and we're going to finish up the, the business of the show. Uh, the Ron and Connor did a Warcraft episode. I haven't listened to it, so I don't think that Mike Romo was on it, but I'm not sure. Uh, we all used to play Warcraft, where we learned that we're bad at games, so we only played with each other, because anytime we would play with somebody else, we'd get killed. It was pretty sad, but I still have the sweet mouse that I bought uh, back then when I was playing a lot that was going to make it much easier, because it had other buttons and a laser precision. Um, and then I started to get sort of an RSI kind of thing when I used that mouse, so I switched to the uh, Apple Mighty, Mighty Mouse Pad, the pad. The power, I don't know what it's called, the little click pad. Um, <clears throat> there might be a Star Trek show. I'm not sure when. There will be a Suicide Squad show. I'm not sure when. And we still have Goodfellas Minute over at goodfellasminute.com. If you haven't listened to that, 146 minutes of us talking about is one episode for every minute of Goodfellas. That was a fun time. Uh, don't hold your breath for another movie. That was really hard. Uh, and we can't think of another movie that we want to do, and everybody keeps doing them. Uh, and I want to do a movie that somebody's already doing. Uh, somebody already did my favorite movie and uh, apparently they didn't finish. So that's bad. Go to ifanboy.com. You can comment on this show. You can talk about this week's book. You can say nice things to me. Don't say mean things to me directly. Say them somewhere else and so that I can't accidentally find them. Uh, you can find all of our other podcasts, video shows, uh, that interview that I talked about with Tom King and Mitch Garrods, which reminds me, I got to talk to the other guy that I'm going to do an interview with, guy and a person, another person. Two people. I like doing teams. It's fun. I don't have to do all the work. Sometimes they talk to each other and I can just sit back, take a drink, chill out. You know what's up? I gotta talk to that other person. So go over to iFanboy.com. You can follow us at Facebook.com slash iFanboy or at iFanboy on Twitter. And you can follow us individually at Jay Flanagan, at CS Kilpatrick, and at AronXO. And if you like the show, please leave a review in iTunes. That's there, omnipresent also. I've used omnipresent twice in this show. I get stuck on big words, and I just like to use them over and over again. Leave a review there. Write something nice. Or not nice. But I will not appreciate it if you don't write something nice. I don't know what the point of that is. But I guess you should, because otherwise it skews the ratings. If only people who like things write a review, then maybe people who, who don't like reviews... Everything on Amazon has four stars. So you know if something has two stars, it's really bad. Is what I'm getting at. Um, and that's why I can't find an affordable uh, USB to lightning adapter. Uh, without buying the Apple one for $32, which seems like a bit much for a two-inch cable. What was I saying? Tell other people about the podcast. Uh, link it. I, I, I'm i still seeing, and I really appreciate when uh, folks uh, recommend us to other people looking for good podcasts. And usually that other person's like, yeah, no, I already listened to that, or I listened to it, I don't really like those guys that much. Or um, It's often Sean Penn from Fast Times at Richmond High, I find. And he hits his head with a shoe. But thank you for doing that. Ah, uh, this, <laughs> we did it. Yay. I think that's an hour. Thanks for listening. Uh, everybody will be back next week. Oh, frig. I forgot to do ratings. Ratings. I read a Rebirth book. I read Justice League Rebirth. Look at that. Last minute. Oh, Connor would be so mad at this, but I'm doing it. I read Justice League by Rebirth by Brian Hitch. Written by Brian Hitch with art by Brian Hitch. I thought it was pretty good. Some of his faces weren't great. Uh, but it was fun, and I liked all those things in it. It was like a three and a half, and I will probably read the next one. Ratings. Yes.
can't believe I almost screwed that up. But then I didn't, so that was like a nice surprise at the end. Somewhere there's a dude, and he's like, they said they were going to do ratings, and they, they didn't do them. I hate those guys. Well, here's to you, buddy. I'm Josh. Bye.